0: I want to I want us to go back to Genesis go to Genesis the 22nd chapter we just completed the book of James uh, first to the fifth chapter uh, and I want to talk about just from this subject tonight a test of faith everybody say a test of faith do you not recognize that as a born-again believer God designed us He created us to live and to walk by faith. Y'all do recognize it, right? The Bible even says the just shall live by faith, right? Uh, And if we're going to live by faith, if God designed us to operate by faith, if the Bible is true when it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The person who comes to God has to believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Then to me, as I look at all those different instances, God is serious about us understanding the concept of faith and understanding that our faith will be tested in order to prove the genuineness of the thing that we say we have. Okay. Uh, and so we're going to talk about a test of faith and we'll look at a familiar passage of scripture here. But I want us to walk down through this. And as we walk in through this familiar passage of scripture, I want you to begin to think about areas in your life where you can you can look at right now or look back in your past and says, you know, that was a test of faith. That was a test from God. To try to get me to the position to where I can trust him totally and completely. Because that's what God does. Are you listening to me? Talk about a test of faith. So let's go to Genesis chapter number 22. And we'll begin our reading at verse number one. Genesis 22. And then uh, we'll start our reading at verse number one. The text says sometime later God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. All right. So park right here just for a second. Think about what's happening in this context of Scripture. Uh, Here we see God speaking to Abraham and he's instructing Abraham to take the son whom he'd been believing for, Isaac, the one whom uh, he, it was thought that he and Sarah could not produce child, but in their old age they produced a child, the one that they'd been believing God for. And now here we see God telling him to go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering uh, on one of the mountains, which I will show you, okay? Now, when we look at this lesson and we look at it tonight, we're going to take a look at, this passage and, and, and reiterate it because this passage involves Abraham, uh, the father of the family of faith. And you that study your Bible know and understand that the three major world religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all trace their roots back to Abraham, father Abraham. you got that? Those are the following Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, which, again, the Jewish nation, uh, it uh, it traces their heritage back to Abraham. And you also know that Abraham faced many times of testing as God was preparing him, and God molded him, and God shaped him to be the father of many nations. On Sunday morning, we're talking about preparing for greater, and understanding that for Moses to be able to do What he needed to do and for Moses to be able to deal with uh the children of Israel uh in their in their uh fallacies and their way of thinking, he had to be prepared. Okay? So God God is looking to prepare each one of us. Uh He's looking to position us so that we can walk by faith, but our faith uh will never be genuine, will never can never be trusted until we it has been tested. Y'all y'all realize that, right? And so there are things that God allows to come into our life that's 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 nothing more than a test of our faith. In this 22nd chapter of Genesis, Abraham faced the greatest test of his life, guys. And it had to do with family. Everybody say family. Like no other test, I believe, when there's a test that deals with family, it it's it's the ultimate in 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 test that can come our way, okay? And so here He's going to show us how to face and handle the tests of life to the glory of God. And as we go down through this passage, let's consider some instructions that we can begin to adapt in our own life to help us whenever we face tests. How many of y'all can look at your life and you begin to trace your life back and look at your history? How many of y'all can identify some things that happened in your life that were a test of your faith? Every hand here ought to be raised. Whether it was a a, a a physical illness, a health issue, whether it was a financial issue, whether it was a relationship issue, whatever it was, what, maybe it, it was, I, I don't know, whatever it was, you can look back and see where, where our faith was being tested. And God does allow our faith to be tested. Y'all realize that, right? First thing I want you to jot down here, and I, I didn't, didn't put these out uh, in a note, so you got to write tonight, okay? First thing you want to write down is this as a born again believer, Number one, I need to expect tests from God. I need to expect tests from God. Expect it. It is going to come. Uh, when those tests come, guys, we got to make sure that we don't wig out, that we don't trip out, that we understand that that's a part of God trying to get us to the place in him that he wants to be. So expect test to come from God. When we accept Christ as our personal savior we are immediately enrolled in the school of faith. Immediately. Everybody say immediately. And guys anytime that you're in school you got to expect to take a test every now and then right? How many of y'all like going to school? Well that's that's that's, that question I think it answers itself. But really, in all honesty, if you went to school and you were never tested, all you had to do was nod your head and say, I know it. And the teacher gave you an A out of that class, how many of y'all would be fulfilled as a student, do you really think? Uh, some of people some, wouldn't mind that. But he, here's the problem. When you get to that next level, you get out of high school and you don't know nothing the next phase is going to require you to know what you should have known when you were in the 10th or 11th grade, but your teacher just gave you an A and never did test you. And so at the time, when you were getting by, you thought it was the best thing since sliced light bread. But now that you're out there at the next level out there in the world, and you have to know the information that you never uh, uh, accumulated knowledge of because your teacher never tested you, then you're going to look back and say, she didn't do me a favor. Are you listening to me today? So tests are designed to prepare us for the next phase in our life. And we're looking at a test, of, uh, a, a test of faith here in Abraham's life because he had believed God. He and Sarah had believed God for the son that they previously were not able to have. And God worked a miracle and it came to pass. All right. But when you become a born again believer, expect. Test to come in the school of faith if we are never tested we will never know where we are spiritually okay and Abraham had his share of tests right from the very beginning let me just just put a little uh a sub note up under there he had the, what we call first of all the family test all right when he had to leave his loved ones and step out by faith to go to a new land go to Genesis 11 chapter with me right quick Genesis 11 verse number 27 How many of you know that sometimes in God's manifold wisdom to get us to where we need to be, sometimes God has to remove us from around family? Pastor, why is that? I thought God's a family God. Yes, he is. But there are times when if we're not careful, we'll depend on family rather than depend on God. Now, family is important. It is critically important. But God wants us to get to a point in him to where we are depending totally and completely on him. Notice what he says here in Genesis 11 chapter. And, and let's read verse 27. It says, this is the, the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahar, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. Next verse. Let's go. It says what? But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth. While his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahar both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahar's wife was what? Milchai. Milchai and her sister Ischai, they got some names, right, were daughters of Nahar's brother Haran. Let's keep reading. But Sarah was unable to become pregnant and had what? She had no children. Next verse says what? Move. It says, one day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law, Sarah, son, his son, Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot his son's Haran's child, and moved away from Ur, the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and did what? And they settled there. They settled there. The next verse says what? Terah, Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Now, where was he on his way to? Text say he was on his way to Canaan land, but they stopped in Haran, Right? And he died in Haran. Let's, let's go to the next uh, into the next chapter, chapter 12, uh, and let's read verse 1 through 5 right quick. The Lord, the Lord has said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. Y'all know the story. And make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Verse 3, let's read. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who bless you treat you with contempt all the families on earth will be blessed through you four and five so abram departed as the lord had instructed and lot went with him abram was 75 years old when he left haran now guys it's when you even at this period of time when you're 75 and you leaving your place of abode uh that's a pretty big step Would y'all agree most of us when we get to be around 75 we're trying to settle down right Let me see the hands of everybody here who's 75 or older. Let's see. 75 or older. We got Sister Galloway. We got Sister Henry. We got Mama Kirk. Right? Uh, oh, Paul Adams back there, yeah? And Sister, Sister Doug. Right? All right. Are, are any of y'all looking to move anytime soon? Huh? As a matter of fact, Sister Doug, you, you lived for a number of years in, was it Lubbock, Texas or El Paso? El Paso, Texas, and you move what back home, right? And so, Paul, you've lived in Benton probably all of your life. Is that an accurate statement, Sister Hema? You lived in Benton all of your life, right? Right. Nothing wrong with Benton. I'm from Benton. It's cool to be from Benton. I told you before. It's anointed to be from Benton. Okay. I'm sorry. Plain dealing is anointed too, Carol. You and Leroy. <laughs> Mama Kirk. You, you're originally from Haynesville, but you're here in Benton living with us, right? You don't have any plans to move anytime soon, do you? <laughs> Unless y'all put me out, and we're not going to do that. We are not going to do that. My point is, at this stage in life, at 75 years of age or 80 years of age, you would not expect him to want to move from where he was, right? Because we start to get settled in uh, at that stage in our life, and we, we, we're moving right along. But God says... Uh, God says, I need you to move. He says, he took his wife, Sarah, his Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, the text says, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Marah. And at that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Let's stop right there, okay? So first of all, the test, he had a family test. No, he had to leave family. To go to where God was telling him to go. Now some of y'all say, well, Brother Pastor, that's not really relevant to me uh, because uh, my situation is not like Abraham's. But there are some of y'all that are sitting here right now where the Holy Spirit told you to leave the family church. Right? The Holy Spirit says, okay... I, I need you to be connected at EBC because there's some things I want to do through you that I can't get done through you where you are right now. Not that where you are right now is bad. It's just that I got a different place I need to take you to so I can do some things in you, shape some things in you to get you positioned to work for me at a higher level. So I'm going to require you to move from the family church. And the moment you announce that I'm moving from the family church, your family members, they're not spiritual. They'll start talking about you. Can I get two witnesses up in here? They'll start telling you stuff. And they don't even know me, but if, if they're not really prayed up, they'll start talking about me. <laughs> to you. I know I'm right about it. So, and and i I, I share this with you guys. Before uh, Before my uh, grandma Marti my teeth you know, uh the Lord led me to leave Elizabeth and to begin to work in ministry at, Moraria's home church up in Haynesville. And I thank God for the experience. Uh, and and my, my grandmother told me, to, you know, that it was okay to go and visit there, but don't leave your home church. <laughs> That's what she told me one time. But I told her grandma, I said, you know, this is what I feel like the Lord is leading me to do. And I, I got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. Now, she, she didn't get mad about anything, but she, she would let me know that I didn't need to leave the home church. <laughs> right? But in order for me to get to where I need to be, I think God had me to leave and, and get involved, and also had me see some stuff in ministry that I needed to observe to know that sometimes folk in ministry can be crazy. <laughs> Are y'all listening to me? I think God had me to see that 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 sometimes, and, and this is not everybody, but but I saw I saw people who who if you could show them what scripture said, plainly and rightly divided, and they did not care about what scripture said, rightly divided. They had a different agenda. And for the life of me, I couldn't understand why is it that the word doesn't govern how you see life. But God had to show me that. And even when, as, as I've been pastoring now 30 years, I understand that, that some of that was because, some, first of all, some weren't born again, but there were others who were born again but who had never grown in their faith. And when you don't grow in your faith, you will see life through the prism of your experiences and your emotions and your family and all that other kind of stuff. So I thank God for the experience. Are oh, you listening to me? I believe God took me there. Because we were doing youth ministry and music ministry and God began to utilize us to help draw some people into the body of Christ. And those folks came. And so I thank God for the experience. But I had to leave family to get that experience. Are y'all listening to me today? And, and, and through that, you know, God, God uh, I, you know, called me to preach the gospel. Uh, and so I thank God for for being where I am now. OK. So, so the family test. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, what God is calling you to do won't necessarily jive with your family. Are y'all listening to me today? So the question becomes Am I strong enough to do it God's way or am I going to allow family to bend me to their will? Amen. I would suggest to you that it's it's very important for each one of us to decide to do it God's way and don't, don't bend to family's will but being toward god's will okay so the family test uh this was that family test was followed by the famine test okay go to Genesis twelfth chapter look at verse we won't read all of it but I'll summarize it. look down at verse 10 of this twelfth chapter the famine test now I will tell you uh Abraham failed the famine test. Because he doubted God and went down to Egypt for help. Look at the text says, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go, to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. Verse 11 says what? As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife Sarah, look, now you, now, can I put it in door? Now look, you, you pretty, you fine lady. Now we get ready to go over here. Now, now I know, That if you go over here and we go in here and you as my wife, the the king and some some other men may look at you and want you and because you're my wife, they'll kill me in order to get you. So what we're going to do, we're going to tell a little lie. That's Doyle Adams' interpretation, okay? Let's see what the NLT says, okay? It says, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, let's kill it. Then we can have her. That's bad. That's that's cold, isn't it? I mean, during this period of time, they would... (laughs) They would kill the man to get this wife. Wow, wow. The text says this, read on. It says what? So please tell them you're my sister. Now technically, there was some element of truth in here. Because you that study your Bible will know that she was his half-sister. Come on now. So, So there was a little bit of a smidgen of truth in here. But what it was deception that was involved. So please tell them that you my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well. Watch this. And they'll treat me well because of their interest in you. Wow. Keep reading. Watch this. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone spoke of Sarah's beauty. She's a pretty woman, gorgeous. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, they, their king, and Sarah, Sarah, was taken into his palace. Now, I, now watch this. Now Abraham, Abraham here in, in, in his zeal to, for self-preservation allowed his wife to be exposed. All right? Then Pharaoh gave Abraham many gifts because of her, sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sar- Sarah, Abram's wife. Watch the text. So so Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Now all of a sudden when, when, when these plagues start coming, he said, something is amiss. Something is wrong. He, watch what he said. Why she's why why didn't you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my and allow me to take her as my wife? Now why think about that for a second? Here he's failing. Amen. This test here because because he he wanted to get something to eat because of the famine, so he went to Egypt rather than trusting God. When we got there, he lied, and then he put his wife at risk in order to save his own skin. She's my sister and allowed me to take her as my wife. Now now then, here's your wife. Take her and get out of here. <laughs> the 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 things that God sent were so uh was so 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 powerful and so uh 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 uh, crushing against the Pharaoh, he said, Y'all got to get out of here. Okay? Are y'all listening to him today? So, so, I, I'm, I'm gonna stop there, but, but the famine test, he failed that one. Uh, once back in the land, Abraham passed what we call the fellowship test when he gave Lot first choice in using the pasture land. Go to Genesis, the third chapter, verse 15 and 18. So we have the family test. We talked about the famine test. And we're gonna look at the fellowship test. Genesis. What did I tell you? I go to chapter thirteen, verse fifteen through eighteen. Genesis thirteen, verse fifteen through eighteen. Y'all here? Let's go. I am giving all. I am giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. The text says, and I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth. They cannot be counted. God is God is a promise keeper. You all y'all know, that. go and walk through the land in every direction for I am giving it to you. Read on. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. There he built another altar to the Lord. The text says in verse 19. Uh, wait minute, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm behind verse chapter 14. I'm sorry. Verse one. It says, about this time, war broke out in the region, King Amraphel of Babylonia, King Ariok of Eliezer, Elie, Eliezer King Keralanmar of Elam, and King Tidal of Goem. Y- y'all just excuse me, I'm trying to do the best I can. Okay. Father gets <laughs> King Bera of Sodom, King Bersha of, of Gomorrah, King Shinabab of Atmam, King Shem- Shemabur of Zebulun, and the King of Bilab. Also called Zor, <laughs> this second group of kings joined forces in Sidon Valley. That is the the Valley of the Dead Sea. Let's read on. It says, "What uh, for twelve years they had been subject to King Cedorahm, but in the thirteen years they re- they rebelled against him." So let's let's stop right here for a second, okay? Uh, fellowship test. Now again, when you go back and read uh, again, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to skip skip past this, but but what we're going to see is that Abraham decided to give Lot. Uh, the uh, the choice land, the first pick of the land. Why 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 was that such a, a significant thing? Well, because Abraham had plenty of stuff, and he had uh, in in having this stuff, he had to they had to make sure they separate so that the so that the, the, uh, the the animals could coexist together. So, but he gave lot. The choice is land. So that fellowship test he passed. He also passed what we call the fight test because he defeated the kings in this battle when we go on and read the rest of this 14th chapter. But one thing that we we do know when we get into that 16th chapter, let's go to Genesis chapter 16 right quick. He failed what we call the fatherhood test when Sarah got impatient with God and suggested that Abraham uh, have a child by Hagar. Y'all remember the story, right? Let's look at it again. Because God had gave them a promise. Is that correct? Genesis 13, uh, 16, verse number one. It says, well, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. Now, again, what was the promise? Huh? What was the promise? That Sarah was going to have child. Through her, through her womb, she's going to have child. But she got impatient. And, and when we get impatient, waiting on the promises, we'll find ourselves doing things that violate God's will and direct it for our life. And so here we see Abram going along with the proposal, sleeping with the handmaiden, sleeping with the servant girl. And y'all know the rest of the story. They had a son, Ishmael, but that wasn't a promised son. Okay? Now, let me say this. Every difficult experience in life is not necessarily a personal test from God or a test of your faith. Some things that happen in life are an attack of the enemy. And some things that happen in life are simply just part of living in a fallen, sin-sick world. OK, what I'm trying to get us to understand is that 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 we're going our faith will be put on trial and will be tested. And God is the one who brings the test to us. All right. Uh, let's let's think about just something for a second, because I think we need to make sure that we distinguish between uh, trials and temptations. OK, go with me right quick uh, to James chapter one, verse 12 through 16 familiar passage of scripture, James 1. 12 through 16. So the first thing we said was is we need to expect tests from God. Everybody say ex- expect to get tested by God. Yes, he'll, he's going to bring those. Watch what James 1, 12 through 16 tells us. Familiar passage here. Okay. Text says this. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. After they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13 says what? And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else to do wrong. Okay, Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. Verse 15. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow... It gives birth to what? Death. Verse 16. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, again, let's park that for a second. Let's distinguish between trials and temptations. Okay? Temptations come from our desires within us. That's what James told us, right? So when when we are tempted, it comes from within us. How many of y'all ever said he tempted me or she tempted me? Anybody ever, has anybody ever thought that somebody else was tempting us? The text says temptation comes from where? From our own desires. So, so, so the temptation is is coming from what's already in us, in our hearts, right? It's not the person that's tempting us, even though that person may be attractive, that person may be whatever, but the temptation, the draw, of the lust comes from within our hearts. So again, temptations come from our desires within us, while trials come from the Lord who has a special purpose to fulfill in our life. Temptations come from within us, trials or our tests of our faith comes from whom? The Lord. Y'all got that? Trials or tests come from the Lord. All right. Second thing I want you to make a point of: temptations are used by the devil to bring out the worst in us. Okay. Temptations are used by whom? They're used by whom? The devil. Even though it comes out of our heart, it, they're used when it when it when it exudes out of our heart. It's used by the devil to bring out the worst in us. But trials or tests of our faith are used by the Holy Spirit to bring out the best in us. There's a major difference. Temptations are used by the enemy to bring out the worst in us, but trials are used by the Holy Spirit to bring out the best in us. So whenever I face I'm facing a, a trial or when I say trial is another word for test, when I'm facing a test of my faith, I got to realize that God is using it to bring the best out of me. He's not trying to bring the worst out of me because he already said he, doesn't, he, he, he can't be tempted with evil. Neither does he tempt any man with evil. Are you with me? When he brings a test, he's trying to, to build us up. He's trying to get us ready for the next stage in life. Third thing I want you to just kind of jot down as it relates to the difference between temptations and trials or, or tests. Temptations, when they come, always seem logical. It always seems logical. While tests or trials seem unreasonable. Very unreasonable. Okay? Temptations seem logical. Well, you know what? It ain't going to hurt just to have sex with her one time. It's not going to hurt to have sex with him one time. You just just do it one time and see what it feels like and uh, you go on about your business. Because after all, if you don't, your your curiosity will get the best of you. It seems reasonable as it's being laid out by the devil. Because how many of y'all know the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season? It's pleasurable for a season. I'll hit it just one time. Just drink it one time. You know, uh, just, you know, you feel good. Get you a good heart. Everything will be all right. Just move on in life. Sin always, temptations to enticement to sin can seem logical when it's presented to us. But trials or tests of our faith seem very unreasonable. Why would God give Abraham a son and then ask Abraham to sacrifice that son. Why would God that 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 seems unreasonable to me? I don't know about you. When I read that that passage, I'm like, God, He was believing you for the Son, and it took him a long time to get, get there. They were in an old age, and now you're asking him to go and sacrifice him. See, all of us face similar temptations. To sin. Which y'all agree. Go to 1 Corinthians 10 chapter. Now that was again that was a test. To sacrifice. Offer the sacrifice. A test. A test. Go to 1 Corinthians 10 chapter verse number 13 with me right quick. Are you still tracking? All believers face similar temptations to sin. But not all believers experience the same trials of faith. Our trials of faith are usually different radically different all of us face the temptation to sin look at what the text says here in first Corinthians 10 chapter look at what it says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience right and God is faithful here's the faithful of God he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand that's what it says now Come on can we be honest, how many of y'all ever felt like there were, there were some temptation in your life that you just couldn't help yourself? you ever felt that way? Anybody? All right, don't y'all just sit there. I want to see some hands raised. How many of y'all have ever felt like, well you know I, I, as much as I try, you know I just tried to leave it alone? I said to myself, pastor, I, I, I said to myself, I'm going to say no. That's what I told myself. and when I got that pastor, I intended to say no. But somehow I find myself saying yes. Anybody ever been there before? All right, watch this. Here is what you need to know: God will not allow. This is His faithfulness. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. What we got to realize is that 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 within us, in our flesh, dwelleth no good thing. All right, and God realizes. God knows that in our heart, this stuff is there. And so what he'll do is he'll give us a way to escape. Watch what he says. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. He'll show you a way out so that you can endure the temptation. God will give you an out, but you got to take the out. Taking the out don't mean that your flesh don't still desire the thing that you're trying to get into. Taking the out just means, brother Matt, I know I want to do this. And it's probably going to feel good to my flesh when I do it. But I want to be faithful to God. I want to, I want to make sure that I don't ruin my testimony. So even though in the flesh, in the natural, I really want to do it, there's a door opening. I'm going to go through that door opening. And and, and, and all the while I'm going, I may still be thinking about go back, but I'm keep going this way. God will give us a way to escape. That's what he's, his faithfulness is that he will not allow anything to come into our life that we cannot endure. Y'all got that? Ever say, my God is faithful. All right. So, so, so the first thing we look at is we said that number one, um, when we talk about a test of faith, expect tests to come from home. Tests of our faith is coming from God, not the devil. Because God is trying to perfect us. God is trying to grow us. He's trying to make us better. He's trying to make us stronger, wiser, okay? Second thing that we got to realize when as it relates to a test of faith is that we have to focus on promises, not explanations. Focus on promises, not explanations. Everybody say focus on promises, not explanations. Go go back with me to Genesis 22, uh, and let's look at verses three through five. Focus on promises and not explanations, because you know if we're not if we're not careful, as we're going about in our daily lives, living for the Lord and trying to accomplish God's will in our life, uh, many of us, if we're not careful, will try to intellectually absorb and understand what God is trying to do in our life, and 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 there are times when intellectually, you're not not going to understand why God is telling you to do a certain thing. It, it, It may not make sense to your senses. It may not make sense to your traditional strategy. It may not make sense, I tell you all the time, it may not make sense and it did not make sense to march around Jericho. It don't say a word. Six days. Just go around the city, this do what I tell you to do, and on the seventh day I want you to go around seven times. Then I'm going to shout, and the walls will come down. When the walls go down, you better rush in and take the city. Did not make sense. That battle strategy doesn't make sense. But that's what God told me to do. Are you listening to me today? There are many times when in scripture you read where God will lead a man or woman to do something that 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 doesn't make sense in the natural. Was that Elijah when he you know came to that widow's house and? The widow's getting ready to, to, to just cook a little food for her and her son and go eat and they were gonna die. And what did he tell her? Feed me first. How many of y'all know it didn't make sense? And, and some of y'all would say, No, no, I feed you first. I have bad enough for me and my son. We, we going first. But when God tells us to do something, we have to make sure that we're willing to follow what he says, even when it doesn't make sense. Focus on the promise, not on explanation. Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems to be unbearable. When God asks us to do what seems to be unreasonable and expect what seems to be impossible in our lives. That's when you really know it's a test of faith. Whether you look at Joseph in prison. Amen. when his brothers had sold him into slavery, when you, when you look at Moses and the Israelites at the Red Sea, when you look, look at Daniel and the lion's then the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, Jesus at Calvary's hill. The lesson is the same. We live by promises, not by explanations. If I had to do it, I would have just told Jesus, okay, Jesus, don't go to the cross. Just wipe out everybody that's evil. I mean, that's what I would have done. But I'm not God. You understand me? That's, that's part of what I would have done. Jesus, I know you can call 10,000 angels right now. Just wipe every evil person out. But God says, no, uh, there has to be a sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Okay? Y'all still tracking with me? So, so focus on promises, not on explanations. When God sends a trial to us, right away, most of us want to explain, why me, Lord? Anybody up in there? Why, God? Why why did this have to happen to me? Why don't we start asking, why not me, Lord? God, wouldn't it be be a a different mindset if we start turning that thing around instead of asking God, why? Why? Just saying, God, I trust you in the middle of this. God, I, I don't even understand what's happening right now. I have no clue. But you know what? I will not doubt you. I don't understand why this had to come to us, but uh, to our family, but Lord, you know what? I'm going to trust you through it. It it doesn't make sense to me in my natural, but I'm going to trust you. When God sends a trial to us, amen, we got to learn how to trust him and not try to look for an explanation as to why. Now, now again, let let, let me me, me say something real quickly. You know, God don't have a problem with us asking questions, i tell you before. He just don't want us to question him. It's the difference between asking a question and questioning him. Questioning him means that that I, 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 I doubt the validity uh, of, of what he's doing, or he knows what he's doing, uh, that he's not sovereign. Okay? That's when we start questioning his, his will and his way. God, I ask God questions all the time. I really do. I'll ask them, Lord, why is it that sometimes people know what to do, but they simply won't do it? And, and what I may be telling them will help them if they will actually do it, but then they won't do it. God, why is that? Lord, why is it they can sit there and nod and say Amen and take notes and leave out and won't look at that notebook for another five years? I don't know, God. It just seemed like to me that they would that they would, that they would take their, the, the notes and try to do it. That's what I do. I ask them those kind of questions. I ask them those kind of questions about the members of EBC. I do. I'll ask them. i say, well, God, I don't know why it is that that it seems like, uh, you know, we sometimes don't trust you. When we've seen you work time and time and again in the past. We've seen you do it over and over again. But then this this challenge comes up and then we start doubting you. I don't know. I don't understand that, God. Help us, God. Let me say this. Let me get these two Two or three things right here, quick up under this. Focus on promises, not on explanation. Okay? Uh, when God, again, uh, we should know that God has reasons for sending these tests. These, these are three things I want you to just jot down. Number one, He wants to purify our faith. Everybody say purify. He wants to purify our faith. To purify our faith. Go to 1 Peter 1, 6 9. He wants to purify our faith. 1 Peter 1, Verse 6 through 9. God wants to purify our faith. How many of y'all know all of us, our faith needs to be purified? When you purify something, that means you what you you, you you you're making it clean. You're making it transparent. Okay? The text says this. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials watch this, will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Next verse, eight, nine. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Verse nine. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So he says it's, 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 it's these, these tests come, they come to purify our faith, to purify our faith. Second thing is they come to perfect our character. To perfect our character. Go back to James. James 1 verse 1 through 4. They come to perfect our character. We were talking about on Sunday. How Moses was now in in the the master's degree program. The master of character acquisition. Sometimes we think we are where we're really not. And so God has to get us to the point where we can see. That we got. There's more work he has to do in us. And so he's trying to perfect our character because God does not want to get us someplace where our character can't keep us. If God promoted some of us to certain levels and our character hadn't been developed, we're going to mess up not only ourselves but a whole lot of other folks. Don't you realize that stuff that we see now when people make a moral decision or moral failure in ministry, that stuff that we see out publicly, that wasn't the start of it. They just got caught then. Hello? When that person uh, got caught in a situation with somebody who wasn't their spouse, that usually wasn't the first time. It just, that's when it got exposed. Hello? Now, watch this, watch this. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Verse two, let's read together. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way. Uh, no, 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 no. Guys, we got to read that out loud. Look at what it says. Can we read it out loud? It says what? Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it. How many of y'all actually consider trouble an opportunity for great joy? That's what it tells us to do, right? It's a mindset. It's an attitude. It's, it's the way we see things. He says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Most of us do like the truth of Israel. We start complaining when trouble comes. Right? Come on, can you be honest? How many of y'all have complained before? Loudly. To the Lord and everybody else. All right? God don't like complaining. And so when, when trouble comes... He said consider an opportunity for great joy. Verse three and four. Let's read. For you know that when your faith is tested. Listen. Listen. When your faith is tested. Your endurance. And what? It has a chance. To do what? To grow. KJV says in verse three. Knowing this that the trying of your faith. Worketh. Patience. In other words, when 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 my faith is tried, it, it's it's produces something in me a quality where I can remain consistently constant and not be moved by the circumstances that are around me. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse four says what? So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete what? Needing nothing. So These things come, these tests come to to purify our faith, to perfect our character, and number three, to protect us from sin. Second, to protect us from sin. Go to 2 Corinthians 12 chapter, verse number seven, seven through ten. 2 Corinthians, the twelfth chapter, verse seven through ten. 2 Corinthians, the twelfth chapter, verse seven through ten. Glory to God. Watch this, watch this. Look at what it says. Even though I received such wonderful revelation from God, this is Paul talking. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Because Paul, you know, when you read Paul's history and you read uh, his qualifications and when you read uh, some of the stuff he had done before he came to Christ uh, and even after he came to Christ, uh, Paul knew himself better than most of us know ourselves, and 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 there was you know people who who have accolades, people who have uh, you know worldly accolades, which is nothing wrong with those things, degrees and that type of thing. They have to be very careful that they don't become prideful. Okay. Uh, have to become very careful they don't become prideful and look to those things, those degrees, those positions as uh, the, the mantra for, for, for their successful living. All right. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh a message from Satan to taunt me, taunt me and to keep me from becoming proud. Next verse says what? Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. He says, my power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. This is Paul saying, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Look at verse 10. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm what? Now guys, can you imagine you getting to the point to where you can smile and laugh your way through the troubles that come into your life. Can you imagine being at the point to where even though some some situation that, that maybe is not good that came or some situation that's challenging you in your in your walk with the Lord or challenging you financially or health wise, but you still sitting there saying, hey, "Hey, hey, this came, but you know what? God, my God, your grace is sufficient for me, Lord. In my weaknesses, Amen. You become strong." So, Lord, right now, even though this is coming against me, I refuse to go crawl up in a hole and die somewhere. I'm going to still magnify your name. I'm going to still shout the victory when I come to church on Sunday. And, God, I am going to lift up your name and I am going to walk in your joy. Can you imagine having that kind of attitude? You would just mess the devil's mind up. Because he's thinking you're going to complain like the children of Israel. You're going to walk in unbelief. You're going to walk in fear. But he allows these things come to protect us from sin because when we do that, when when we, when, that, when those, when in, in Paul's case, this, this, this messenger of Satan kept him humble. So that he wouldn't walk in pride, kept him praying because some of us wouldn't pray if we didn't have trouble. Hello. Abraham heard God's word and immediately obeyed it by faith. Why? Because he knew God's will never contradicts. God's promises so he held on to the promise uh, of Genesis 21 and 12 where he says in Isaac shall thy seed be called because you know when we look at uh, this 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 text over in Hebrews go to Hebrews 11 and we're going to let you get on out of here third thing I want you to write down I mean as we, talk, we start off by talking about the fact that um, expect tests from God number two We talked about focus on promises, not on explanations. And thirdly, I'm going to just write down, depend on God's provision. Okay, got to depend on God's provision. But go over to Hebrews 11, verse 17 through 19. Abraham believed that even if God allowed him to slay his son, he could raise Isaac from the dead. Abraham believed God and obeyed him. Okay, look at what the text says. Verse 17 Let's read. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Watch his mindset. Watch his mindset. Watch his mindset. Guys, if we could ever get to the point in our faith, walk when we can see the answer before it's ever manifested in the in the earthly realm. The text says, so even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. He says, Abraham reasoned. Now, again, the promise was, I'm going to bless you through your seed, Isaac. But now he's telling him to go and sacrifice Isaac. Sacrifice means he's got to slay him on the altar. But yet he had a promise that said, through him, your seed is going to multiply throughout the earth. See can't multiply if the man dead, if the boy's dead. So what, what did Abraham see? Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died in this sacrifice, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Now watch this. He was thinking if I'm going to be obedient to what God says, but because God gave me a promise, then God's got to do something. Because Isaac can't be my seed that's bearing children after, you know, giving me grandkids if he's dead. So God's going to have to raise him up from the dead if I slay him here on the altar. That is powerful faith, guys. That's believing God's promise to the point to where that that we see it being manifested in our life even before it actually comes to pass, okay? See, what we, well, we know, Abraham believed God and obeyed him when he didn't know where, when he didn't know when, when he didn't know how. He believed, amen? He didn't know, he didn't even know why, but he believed, okay? So, uh, so third thing was depend on God's provision. Go back to Genesis 2, we're going to wrap this up, okay? Genesis 2, uh, look at verse... Not two. Genesis 22, then verse number 8, and then verse number 14. Depend on God's provision. Some of y'all may be in a situation right now where you don't know how you're going to get through or make it through something that you're going through right now. I'm going to tell you right now, you go when you learn how to depend on God's provision, I don't care what it looks like right now. I'm telling you, I'm a living witness. I've been in a situation where things didn't look good in certain situations in my life. But I watched God make a way out of no way. I watched God bring some things to pass that on the surface it looked like it wasn't going to come to pass. So learn how to trust him and, and he will provide. God, look, look at what the text says. When he was getting ready to, to, you know, to, to, to offer the sacrifice, he said, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. My son, Abraham answered. And because the son asked, him, okay, I see, the, I see the fire, I see the wood, I mean, see, the wood, see the fire, where, where, where's the burnt offering? He says, God will provide. And they both walked on together. Remember, before prior to this, he had told the rest of the group, y'all stay right here. Me and my son are going to go up and worship. And he said, we're going to come back. There he is, calling, Chad, calling those things with beat not as though they already, already were. So how are you going to say we coming back if he going kill the boy? He said it because he saw in his mind that God had to raise him up. He knew he had a promise. And many of us sitting here right now don't live our life by promises. We live our life by how we feel. You got to get out of living life by how you feel because God God's going to test our faith to get to the point where we can start to walk by what we know has been promised to us, not by what we feel and what we think and what somebody else told us who don't even know the Lord or who may be saved but not walking by faith. Okay? All right? God provided sheep for the burnt off in my son Abraham answered and they both walked on together. Skip down to verse number fourteen as we ready to close. See, Abraham couldn't depend on his feelings, y'all. And that's a dangerous way to live. Sometimes you may not feel like you're even saved. Especially after you've messed up big time. But don't you're not saved by how you feel, you're saved by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, not in yourself. It's a gift of God, not a works that any man should boast. Look at what it says. Abraham named the place Yahweh Uriah, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Y'all know the story, how it was that the ram in the bush was available. And Abraham, a man's son, was not slain on the altar. But God was testing Abraham. So three things. Let's go back and just review as we get ready to go. First thing we said was what? Huh? I didn't hear y'all. You got to expect tests from God. The second thing we said was what? Focus on the promises and not on explanations. Okay? You're trying to figure out how God going to do it. I'm telling you that that time God ain't gonna tell you how He's gonna do it. Sometimes He may show you, but my experience has been uh, when I'm walking by faith, God don't tell me how it's gonna get done. I just got to trust that He will get it done. That, that's not an excuse for not planning. That's not a, that's not an excuse for not thinking ahead or doing some strategic planning with your, with your with your family. But what I'm saying is, you trust God and not your plan. And third thing we said was what. Depend on his provision, not yours. If the truth be told, there are times God will tell us to do stuff that we don't have the money to do. There are times that God will tell us to do something that we don't have the skill set to do on our own. But if we trust him, I promise you he will provide. So our faith will be tested. Abraham experienced a test of faith. What about you? How are you being tested right now? And what's your mindset as you go through these tests? God says he wants you to trust him totally and completely. Amen. Give the Lord a hand to pray.